0: Uh, Thank you, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, younger people. (laughs) Lovely to see you all. Thank you for uh, coming this afternoon. Uh, This is uh, really a celebration of uh, Black British Theatre, and on the stage we have uh, representatives of Black and Asian British Theatre. We have the most amazing... Don Warrington, (laughs) who who I remember seeing for the first time uh, on Rising Damp, when I was a a kid, there was no one else in the house, and I was open-mouthed, and I wanted to ask if those people really existed who could could speak like that, black people who could speak like that. Well, they can. uh, clearly, (laughs) Clearly. And now so can I. But um, then uh, there's the amazing Ellen Thomas. With whom I had the great pleasure of uh, playing uh, a naughty nephew in a, in a screenplay for BBC Two. Uh, and she told me off, and I remember it with joy. And then Asif Khan, who I've not had the pleasure to work with, but please give him a round of applause And Asif has hot-footed it over from Unicorn Theatre, I believe, yep. where yep. he's rehearsing... Um, the Snow Queen. Terrific. Wow. Show you, Exactly, show, you must go and see. <laughs> and I'm Patterson Joseph, uh, and uh, this is Black History Month.
1: <laughs>
0: Which is, to be honest, something of a, a coincidence. I um, wanted to have this moment where I could talk with my... Uh, my uh, uh, colleagues here about black uh, and Asian theatre in this country and Asian actors, Uh, and I happen to have this month uh, in mind, but I didn't know it was going to be Black History Month, so it works very well. So, what can we say about black British performers? And we use the term black, and of course, I could spend about 25 minutes going through what all that means. Shall we not bother with
2: that? No, no. (laughs) Shall we say we kind of know what we mean?
0: Okay, so I'm uh, looking at all these wonderful costume dramas on telly with all my mates in them, and I'm thinking, I can do that. I'd like to be part of that, why can't I? Mm. So I get this book <laughs> called Black England by a lady called Gretchen Gertziner. literally trawling through just to find black British characters that I could maybe play, write a screenplay of, give to a producer to write a screenplay of, and I find these amazing stories. Some of them about performance, but some of them just strange, odd stories. Like, there's a black guy on Hadrian's Wall, screaming down at the Picts to get away. What was he doing there? <laughs> North African soldiers yeah. being brought over by the Romans. There was Queen Victoria, Queen, Vic- Queen Elizabeth I going through uh, her, her country, and, and her, London, and seeing all these black people cluttering up the place. Well, they must go. Also, the peasants are really hungry. And let's blame these people. And uh, what we'll do is we'll, s- we'll send them all on a ship. A so charter. Town. Yes. My no, no, no. Country. This is before. Mm. This, is- this is this is before that. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this history is coming at us. But this is even before that. Even before free time, which was which was which is after the American Civil War. Mm-hmm. So here we are. We've got this queen in Elizabethan England seeing so many black people. She wanted to get rid of them. So she, she chartered a ship. Portuguese captain was going to take them all to Spain and Portugal and sell them off. Nobody turned up. <laughs> Were they late? <laughs> My suspicions, they might have been. But that's okay, because what we've got is we've got black history. See, you we going to blend it in there already. Henry VIII, he had, a, he had court musicians, trumpeters. Hogarth, the 18th century um, uh, painter. D- um, uh, painter. artist, painter, um, satirist, depicted black performers in a pageant. It's 18th century. And then we skip forward to uh, around 1825 and the African-American actor, who some of you would have heard of, called Ira Aldridge. Mm -hmm. And Ira Aldridge comes to London. He plays Othello. Everybody would kind of expect that. But he's (laughs) a fantastic Shakespearean actor. So great is he that he gets to play Richard III. 1825, thereabouts. Extraordinary. This guy called Robert Adams. Not that Robert Adams, another Robert Adams, who was born in, I think, uh, the Caribbean around right about 1906. Uh, and he was uh, a, a black British actor who was one of the first to have a lead role on television in the Emperor Jones, Eugene O'Neill's play. We did next door in the Olivier. So, I mean, the history is quite long, and I know only a little bit about it. Literally just Googling Mm -hmm. recently, oh gosh, all that stuff. So, there's a a lineage. We're not just talking about 1948, the Windrush, and a bunch of actors hopefully coming over. There's been a long line of black performers in this country that have been slightly forgotten. So, today is a sort of celebration, and we've got a lot of uh, drama students uh, who are also here as well, who... Who, who need to know that they're not starting from scratch. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. We have history, and we're going to hear some of that today. Not that you are all so old that you know all <laughs> history. people. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's start um, with Don. And, uh, and let's, let's see. What, what I'd like to ask, Don, is yeah. um, what did you think about theatre before you entered it? What was it like entering it, and what do you feel about it now? Um, well, uh, I
3: didn't think anything about theatre, because I didn't know anything about it, really. Um, it, it was a, a place I attended at Christmas time, and that was it. I, I just had a desire to be an actor, really. I didn't know how I became one, I just knew that I wanted to do it. So I just, uh, I just found people who were sympathetic to that wish, and I got myself a little job in a, a theatre in Newcastle where, where they made me a student ASM. I was probably the worst student ASM in the world. <laughs> That's a stage because...
0: manager for all uh, all those yeah. who assistant. don't know about that. an Assistant yeah. stage manager. So the lowest of the low, yeah. right? Yeah. You were shouted out, anything happened,
1: it was Absolutely. An actor fluffed a lie in his
0: fault.
3: Yeah, right. Um, and then I just auditioned for drama schools because it's what I wanted to do. I had a hero at the time, and it was, uh, it was Marlon Brando. I, I saw him in a film, and I thought, that's fantastic. I'd like to do that. And so I set about doing it, which was basically auditioning for drama schools. And I got in, and I went to drama school, and at my drama school, they made no provision for color. They never, ever thought about it. They prepared us for a theater that they wanted as opposed to a theater that existed. So I got a chance to play all kinds of things, you know, French farce, uh, restoration, Shakespeare, uh, Spanish, all of it. And and I came out of it and, well, the world was the world and I found myself um, uh, going up for a situation comedy, something I thought that would never, ever happen because I didn't think I was very funny. Um, uh, and that that turned into, into uh, Rising Damp, I guess. And, but the theatre was always something that was a little beyond me. I, 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 I never felt for years part of it because it seemed to be about people who really weren't like me. So it was, I've always had a very strange relationship to the theatre. And with practice, I've come to make it my home, I guess. But I have to say that it wasn't easy. It wasn't the most <laughs> welcoming uh, institution I come across. But the, the, the desire, the ambition uh, drove me on, I guess, until it became my home, and until I started to see people who looked like me in it. Because uh, when I started, there were few of us. Uh, who, who were they? Who were those uh, older, if you like,
0: black actors who were.
3: Well, uh, as, a, as a boy, I, I, I saw people like Johnny Seeker. <laughs> I saw people like um, L. John. I saw people like Tom Baptiste, uh, Oscar James. There were, you know, there were people there and they were the people who I would build on. I would climb on their shoulders, as it were, and have a look at what might be possible. Huh. So, you know, they
0: were there and um, I'm very grateful to them for being there. And your thoughts about it now, yourself within this profession? Well, it's, it's you know, uh,
3: it's, it's, it's much, much better. It's not quite where it should be, but it's better and we're getting better and the visibility of black actors is becoming more and more and more. And, and, and when we stop noticing it, is when I think we would have arrived at where we should be.
0: Lovely. Thank you very much for that. Ellen, um, again, I'd ask you the same question. Um, Your career has been very varied. Yes. You have done drama, comedy, theatre, television, film. You've done the full range. What did you think about theatre? What was your perception of theatre before you entered oh, into it? Oh, uh,
2: it was love at first sight. <laughs> <laughs> and interestingly enough, when I was coming in, I saw a poster for Juno and the Peacock. It's going to be performed here. And I thought, oh, I've got to go and see it. It was the first play that I saw that the um, English literature, the book, we were doing the book at school, and we all, I grew up outside London, we got on a coach, came to London, went to the theater. I was lucky enough to see the late Leonard Rossiter in Juno and the Peacock. Oh, I'm getting emotional just thinking about mm-hmm. it. I totally fell in love with the play, fell in love with theater. I absolutely loved the fact that for two hours I was captured in this world of Juno. And I thought, I want to do that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm so fortunate that even till today I still feel very blessed that I can spend two hours, or an hour and a half, engulfed in a character's world on stage. It, is still, it still gives me a buzz. It's the, one of the uh. most, it's, it is
0: one of the most extraordinary things yeah. about our particular art, yeah. is that there is this immersion. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: when, you, when you did immerse yourself in it, did you find that going out of it, going home, if you like, yeah. was a very odd experience, oh, did you feel? To,
2: yeah? I played, I remember I played Salome, in, again, it was a school's production. It was at a time when we had, oh, a good dozen uh, theatre companies around, black and Asian theatre companies around. And, and we're talking about... Uh, this, the late 80s? Yeah, so yeah, the, yeah the, mid-late the, 80s.
0: So what, t- tell us what yeah. those theatre companies were.
2: Oh, there was Timber Theatre Company, but, there was... Yeah. Um, Oh, what was the other Th- there one?
0: Was, there's one called Foconova, which I had not heard of. Yes, you know Foconova. Yes, Oval yes, House, yes. apparently. Yeah, did...
2: Jatinda, Verma had a company yeah. as well. That's right, there Tara, was Ta- Arts. Tara, Tara Arts. Tara Arts, yes. there, was, there was a good, there was the female ones. There were the, um, what we call female ones. There were the ones that were a clean break. There yes. was a whole lo- list of, at least a dozen. Yes. So you got to actually hone your craft in theatre before you even think about moving to television or film. And um, I did um, Salome for Timber Theatre. And we did a tour all around London. Again, it was the book that was being studied that year, literature. and. Um at the time, I remember my family saying, I can't wait for her to finish playing Salome. She thinks she's a flipping princess. <laughs> <laughs> like, totally took the character on, wore it like a glove, behaved royally all around. Like, like, and when uh, are
0: you going to come out of character, <laughs> Alan? That's my question.
2: So, yeah, that's, that's the kind of... I, I totally love that about theatre. For me to have an audience come in with whatever they brought in, whatever problems, challenges they're having in their life, to come in and for an hour and a half, two hours, leave it at the stage door, come in and get involved in my world, whatever that world is that we're creating on the stage. That, Ooh. I totally love that. Well, that's, that's
0: <laughs> well, well said. I mean, it's yeah. one of the things that we were talking with the students today about, that there aren't, there's no creature in the whole of creation that does this, you know, no uh, otter needs to go and watch other otters behaving like otters <laughs> and saying, oh, that's, that, that's just like my mum. You know, they, just, they just don't need to do that. It's not a need in that, in that species. But we do. We need to see ourselves. We yeah. need to recognise our brothers and sisters. We need to say, oh, that's just like me. And, you know, for warnings, sometimes there are plays that are moral plays that are about if you go down this road, this is what will happen to you. We need to see plays that are celebrations of life, celebrations of ourselves as human beings. Mm. Theatre is probably the only true way that we can do that, viscerally. You can see people spit and sweat, especially me, sweat, and and you can hear them and you can see what they're really doing, two human beings on stage, what's passing between them. You can see all that. Whereas film, it's much more sort of controlled, edited. You watch this, watch this, watch this angle. Whereas theatre, you can see the whole... You can see the whole person. Yeah,
2: I've oh, got a lovely all... story about that. Yeah, go. Ahead. I did a play called Teresa uh, for Timber Theatre Company, and um, we took it on tour. And there was one place we went to. I think it may have been Hull or Sheffield or some really small. Be careful what you digi- say. There may be people from those places. No, it wasn't. It was a small town, and to the extent where we had to get changed in the toilets before the audience oh, came. Okay. It was one of those kind of community centre jobs, and we did the. Uh, Teresa, Teresa, a modern young woman. And in the play, myself and my boyfriend and my friend, we sat around the table and had dinner. And... Unknown to me, that was a revelation for some of the people in the village. To the extent where after the show, some of these little old ladies came up and said, Oh, that was really lovely, dear. I didn't know you lot did that as well. And I was like, <laughs> uh, we did that, we did that as well. What? Oh, you know, sit round the table, have dinner, and all <laughs> I'm like, mm, y- yes, we do.
3: <laughs>
2: but do you know what I'm saying, yes, yes. so on a social level, it kind of educated those people in that, oh, mm. they, they, they're just like us.
0: <laughs> but you see how powerful that is. I yes, mean, that's me. a true yes. example of what people yes. used to think. Yes. Maybe some <laughs> do in certain yeah. places still think yeah. of, a, of a particular community that they have no relation with. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's powerful what we do. Mm. Both on stage and, and on screen. And it's important that we, we have great representations, wide, as broad representations of life as possible so that people can see how other people live, so they can understand them. It's it's um it's essential. And it's why we love theatre. To understand ourselves and each other more. It's great. Mm. So Asif yes. Tell me about your story. How did you see theatre and why have you why did you enter into it?
1: Well, like Don, I didn't know much about theatre really. I mean it was just it was just my Want to do some acting? Because I thought I think I can do it. And um, just
0: out of the blue, it just popped
1: into your head. I think I can. No, 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 no. It was just if it was. I think it was watching Mr. Bean. (laughs) (laughs) You know when Mr. Bean was on television. Yes, yes. And I absolutely loved it. I just found it hilarious, and I just I was glued to that when Mr. Bean was first on. It was just I found it hilarious, and I just loved it. And just thought I'd like to do that. So I did a bit um, in school. Uh, in school and um, but it was a, a bit later on where there was a lovely theatre in Bradford called Theatre in the Mill and it was just, I just remember knocking on the door and, and, and no one was answering the door because I, I just wanted to ask how do I get involved yes. <laughs> and, and nobody was answering and I, th- I thought you know what, maybe I, should, maybe I can't do this, maybe I should just go. And I was just about to go and then the director opened the door and said well come in. Um, <laughs> And he just got me, he was just so friendly and welcoming. and He just threw me straight in there. And I just did play after play after play. Um, and then it was through spending about three years doing that. I spent most of my time at the theatre rather than at the university. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it was just through that that I realised that I wanted to act. So um, luckily I managed to get an agent <coughs> in one of the shows. And I, I worked for a while and then then... Three years later, I wanted to go to drama school. So um, in 2005, I auditioned for drama school, and um, um, yeah, yeah. And did, did did you,
0: which one did you go to?
1: Um, I went to RADA.
0: Okay. Yes. What did you make of that? Because that's, I mean, if you, if you go from uh, a small theatre in Bradford
1: hmm.
0: to RADA, which is the best known drama school, though not the oldest, Lambda is the oldest. <laughs> then, then you'll, find, you'll, you'll find anywhere in the world, anybody, if you say drama school, British, English drama school, they'll all say mm. RADA. Mm. So, listen, you, you've gone from really this small, I'm imagining quite a small venue, yeah. a small place, to this icon of British theatre. Mm.
1: What was that like? Um, well, at, at the time, it was just I just, it was after working for a couple of years. And then I had a real desire to do some like classical, um, classical Shakespeare and Chekhov, and um, I started learning about that myself, just reading about it. And I really wanted to get involved, and I thought, and also sort of improve my skills. And that's what that's what made me think I really want to go to drama school. And a few directors suggested it. And at that time, it was I wanted nothing else but to get into drama school. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it was, I mean, my three years there was unbelievable. I loved it. And it, they just threw me into everything, you know, like Restoration, Shakespeare, Chekhov. You know, we did some screen acting, um, have you, American plays.
0: You talked about doing, having a mentor. Have, yes. you, have you kept in contact with that mentor? And who was that mentor?
1: Oh, yeah, in the third year at RADA, they give you a mentor from outside, someone who's been to RADA and then, in, and, and, and is in the industry. Um, and my mentor was, uh, well, I had three. I ah. had <laughs> uh, three, but um, one of them was Alec Nanda Samart. I don't um, know. And she, she was actually in the same year as Anthony Hopkins, when she was at, rather, right. so in 1962. So I was like, oh, there was Indian actors at that time as well. <laughs> you don't realise how far they go back. But, mm. no, I keep in touch with her and she's very, she's, she's a brilliant actress um, and very sort of, uh, she's helped me a lot, gi- given me a lot of advice. Terrific. Yeah. So...
2: Um, oh, Patterson, before you carry on, yes. there's something I wanted to say about when you asked um, Don the question about where we are now. That my exp- one of my experiences about this particular building we're in, which is absolutely fabulous and I think that needs to be said, especially for the drama students, um, uh, Fuente Ovauna,
0: oh, which yes, was yes. a
2: production that was done here. Yes. And um, I came to the casting and it was one of those um, open call casting. and some of you students know what that is. It's like everybody. And we ended up doing a kind of a workshop. And during the workshop, um, everybody had to play peasants. So of course everybody's doing their little peasant acting and everything else. And of course and I basically thought, well, I don't want to do the same as everybody else. Now what shall I and I thought, I know. I'm in charge of all the peasants. So <laughs> <laughs> I lauded it over all the (laughs) peasants. And I remember Nick Omrod, who was the director, saying, um, very nice, lovely, thank you. And Ellen, what were you doing? I said, well, actually, (laughs) I'm from the royal family. You know, you can take the girl out of the royal family, but you can't take the royal out of the girl. So I was just being natural. So he said, right, next time we do this, play the queen. And then I ended up playing the queen. And then he cast me as the queen. And again, they said, oh, but the Queen of Spain wasn't a black woman, so you can't do that. And, ah, the best actress for the part got the part. Yes. So from that point of view, the National Theatre is very good at that. It yes, is it a case of, yes, the actress for the part, best actress for the part got the part as opposed to the... You know, so I'd say remember that, you guys, when you go for casting. Very good. And I just had the box. (laughs) You see, there's
0: also this thing called debriefing which actors need to learn to do, which is getting out of role. Obviously Salome (laughs) um, there are occasions where act where characters are written for an actor of colour, but they are cast by uh, casting directors and directors but with an actor who is white, Mm. the reason being that this is the best actor for the role. Uh, Don, what's your take on that? I I don't think it's because it's the best actor for the role at all.
2: (laughs) I
3: think, um, in that case, it's commercial. (laughs) You know, we do have to bear that in mind. And when we think about it, we have to think about: is it a level playing field? And the fact is, it isn't. So therefore, uh, we have to bring it. We have to make it level. And until then, we have to we have to go towards um, um, pushing forward the idea of casting uh, uh, black people, people of colour, in roles that aren't necessarily written for them. And it shouldn't work the other way because that way it remains completely unbalanced. So in your case, what's happening there is the producer will think, okay, I'm, uh, it's a West End production, who will bring in the audience? That's And so they go for the actor who's most likely to do that. But you know, best and best is a very strange term to use. It's so, subjective, who is best, who isn't best, you know, um, and I, I won't go on for long, but just to give you an example of what I mean, I'm, I've directed this little piece at the moment and I was shocked because an actress came into the room and before she opened her mouth, I wanted her to play the part. Now, I prayed she would be good, <laughs> but... You know, casting, mm-hmm. casting is weird. It's mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. I think that being said, we have to establish uh, our, our perimeters. And I think in order to make things level, we have to say that in the main, uh, um, uh, it should work one way and not necessarily the other.
2: Ellen? Yeah, well, I think that it should work the other way as well because I think that there will never be as many... Um, Caucasian actors asked to play roles, um, uh, Asian or black roles. So I think it should be a level playing field and we should, as far as we can, go for that. Let, you know, subjectively the best actor for the job play the job. Um, I really am very much a get, um, for that. Um,
0: there is, just before Asif speaks, there is and has been, and I'm sure this is not where you're going, or I think I'm sure you're not, that's not where you're going, uh, a, a thing about... Um, having a kind of quota that has been Mm. mooted over the years. Mm. I'm totally against it, because I think having a quota would always then lead to the question, why are you cast? Mm. However brilliant you are, was there somebody who was white and a bit better than you? And you've been cast because... I don't want that to be in question. I'm an artist, I'm an actor. I want to be able to say, however naive this might be, that I got this role because I'm the best person to do it. I still believe that, of of 100% of the roles that I've played, that I got the part because I was the best person for it. Is the reverse true? I didn't get the part because I'm black? Possibly. It's not my concern. It's not my problem. I will give myself ulcers if I go into that. Did I get cast? Because I'm too... Did I not get cast? Because I'm too fat, (laughs) too short, (laughs) too skinny. To this, to that. You can, I mean, yes, it's a big thing, our color. It's a big thing. It's a bigger thing than those things which are, you could say are sort of cosmetic. But it's still about you second guessing, particularly as a performer. And no performer needs that. No performer needs to bring that into the room. Are you gonna, is it, are you looking at my, no. You come in with your part, learnt, you come in with your excellence, you give them a problem. God, he's good. Never thought he could be a black actor, but God, he's good.
2: That's
0: uh, and of course that happens to me all the time. No, it's, it's, uh, but th- that's 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 what I, I that's my opinion of it. That it's 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 hopefully going to continue to change, um, but we need to just keep being excellent.
1: Um, again, I think it should be should be the same. I have heard, like actors, Indian actors, say, why were they cast? They weren't Indian. Ah. Uh, you know? Uh, but then, it, then at the same time, they also want to be, you know, cast in parts are non-Indian, non-Asian. Um, so it should work, should work both ways. Um,
2: yeah. One of the... My, my current agent, one of the things he said to me when I went to see him was that, I can't do much for you as a black actress, but I can do something for you as an actress. Love it. I will put mm. you up for plot parts that don't require... Um, that, that the only thing I can't put you up for is anything that says blonde hair, blue eyes. But if I think you're good enough, you're the right age and whatever to play the doctor, the lawyer, the whatever, I will put you up for it. I'm not... I, there's not enough parts for a black actress to make it worth me taking you on. And fortunately, he has lived true to his word. He's suggested me for things that casting directors wouldn't have thought of. That's for fantastic. instance, teachers on Channel 4. Do you know what I'm saying? So don't limit yourself. Do your homework. Learn about black plays, black writers, black history, and all of that. That's your homework. That's what you bring with you who bring who you are. Well, actually, even
0: before I said I, was, I wanted to be an actor, my, my sister. I um, said to some of the students today, this is what she said to me, my older sister, she went, why, why do you want to be an actor? What you're going to do is end up playing slaves and butlers and things. Oh. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I, I, just, I just thought, <laughs> no, that's not going to happen to me. I'm not going to do... And so uh, I still have that slight worry when I went to a youth theatre when I was about uh, 18, just on the off chance, I just went. I was, a, I was a catering assistant and I just wanted to do something different. So I went to the cockpit which is in Marylebone, which is in Gatesforth Street, just Mm -hmm. off um, uh, 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 Church Street, where the the lovely Saturday market is. And uh, it was a youth theatre. And we had uh, an organisation called the Inner London Education Authority, thank you, Mm -hmm. Ken uh, Livingstone, which paid for uh, theatre in education. So it meant we had excellent directors, excellent writers, writing for kids from the age of 16 to 24. And that was my first immersion in acting. And one of the teachers said to me, why are you worried about whether you might get a job or not as an actor? you want to be an actor? I said, yes, I do. I think I do want to be an actor. He said, well, listen, the kids that you're with at the moment, some of them will not want to be actors. Some of them will want to be writers. Some of them will want to be directors. And they'll write and they'll direct what they see around them. And so if you are part of that world, and so you will be part of their world, and that one chat helped me enormously to think, well, I'm not battering against something that doesn't want me. There will be a change, because there will be a generational change, um, and I'm confident that I'll be part of that change, and that it has happened. Um, my contemporary directors have hired me here. I played Mr. Worthy on this stage, a Shropshire gentleman of the, the 18th century. And, uh, and I had uh, another a black actress who was playing the brother of one of the, the, um, the local people. And we had this cast, which was multi-racial. <laughs> and when Barclays came backstage and, and wanted to sort of glad hand the actors, because they were sponsoring it, they, one of them came up to me and said, um, Oh, I enjoyed it enormously. It was terrific fun, terrific fun. Um, it, the only thing I thought was a bit odd was that you had black people in it, because there weren't any black people in England in, in the 18th century. Really. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'd done my research. I'd done my research, and I, and I knew that there were at least 20,000 black people <laughs> in England. Uh, and some of them were sailors. Most of them were sailors and servants. Some of them, actually, were in the gentry. Some of them were. We think of Dido Elizabeth Bell who was the, uh, the, um, the great-niece of Lord Mansfield oh, yes. who lived at Kenwood House in Hampstead Heath. She's painted by a guy called Zoffany in this beautiful 18th-century dress with her half-sister there. Beautiful, half-cousin half there, beautiful. Uh, there's Ignatius Sancho, who, who I've uh, written a, a monologue on, who was painted by Gainsborough as a gentleman, not as a servant. He was valet to the Duke of Montague, but he was also an actor with David Garrick, one of the most uh, influential actors of his generation. He was a musician and a composer. He was, he was the first black man to vote. He was part of society. There's, there's Julius Sibizi, who was the, uh, the, the Duchess of Queensbury's uh, uh, man. And uh, he, was, uh, he was a terrible Casanova, so much so that she had to send him away. To, <laughs> He was sleeping with everybody, gentry, maids, everybody, you know. So th- th- there, was, there were stories there, and I felt talking to this man that I could just say to him this and and he was shocked. He went, oh, God, I didn't know that. Didn't know his own history, didn't know our own history. And it's important not just to talk about, um, you know, black actors being part of it, but to say, listen, black people, Asian people, Chinese, Pakistani, Indian, people from the Middle East have been part always been part of English-British history. And, uh, and it's part of the sort of celebration of that, that, that we're here today. Do you think there's enough of a, if you like, a black British theatre voice in terms of writing, in terms of production of plays? Is there, does that still exist in the same way that it did in the 80s?
2: No, okay. nowhere near,
0: Beca- which is a pity.
2: Because, what, your opinion? Uh, again, funding. It really, like I said, unfortunately, it comes down to, you know, funding, theatre companies are getting cut, Um, they don't have the budget to do the plays they want to do. If you're going to do a play, you need three or four actors rather than a production that requires 10, 15 people. Again, all of it is funding, which is really, really sad.
0: It is sad, because then you're asking people to get off the streets, you're asking people to uh, do something creative, you're asking people to to, to be part of society, and yet there's a massive part of society, arts, theatre in particular, that you're just shut out of because there's nothing around you. Okay, so yeah, I mean to conclude, I guess we we've we've gone from uh, Henry VIII to uh, to Don Warrington. <laughs> Similarities, not in corpulence, <laughs> but in regality.
3: Corpulence?
0: Not in corpulence, I said no. <laughs> and and we've we've talked we've touched on Asian theatre and, and how, how how long a tradition that is. So I think we get a, just a flavour, just a touch, and just I'd love you to applaud uh, Don, Ellen, and Asif. Thank you very much. <laughs>